Hey, thanks so much for listening to Sandals Church. Our vision as a church is to be real with ourselves, God, and others. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey guys, welcome to Healer. Welcome to Sandals Church. Man, God is doing incredible things. If you're just joining us, man, you've been missing out. You wanna come back to church. Last week at Sandals Church Hunter Park, I was in the lobby and we, we specifically asked people to come forward for prayer and not talk to me in the lobby, but you know, we're Christians, so people came for prayer to me. And uh, this guy was coming towards me and he was a younger guy and he was literally pulling his oxygen tank. He, oxygen was pumping in his nose. I was like, oh my gosh, you need a miracle. And he's like, no, I do not need a miracle. His wife said he is a miracle and she just started crying. And they shared with me their story that the week before his mother-in-law and his wife had come forward for prayer because he had been in a coma with COVID and they thought they were gonna lose him and he wasn't getting better. But his wife and his mother-in-law came forward for prayer. Man, amen, thank God for mother-in-laws, right? <laughs> they had come forward for prayer and she just with tears running down her eyes, she said, he is our miracle. And then he pulled me aside and he said, can I talk to you personally? And now it's not so personal because we're all gonna know about it. <laughs> but he said, the last thing I remember before I went into a coma was seeing my wife look so desperate. And I thought, this is it. And I went into a coma and here's what he said. He said, the last thing I remember before I woke up was my father came to me in a vision who's dead. My father's dead and he's in heaven with Jesus. He said, but I was raised to, to know Jesus. I was raised to love Jesus. He said, but I've fallen away from Jesus. And my dad came to me and my dad said, Jesus is willing to heal you if you'll serve him for the rest of your life. He started crying. I mean, his oxygen's pumping in his nose in our lobby, he's crying and he says, I'm ready to serve, pastor. He said, the Lord brought me back for a reason. The Lord brought me back for a reason. I was like, well, you don't even want a little prayer? He's like, no, I'm good. And he just kind of, <laughs> he just kind of walked off. Like I didn't, I didn't even get to give him a, like a little prayer. But God is doing amazing things. But here's the thing is, we're not all gonna get a yes. We're not all gonna get a yes. And so we gotta understand today, why does he get a yes, but I get a no? Why does God say no to our prayers? And here's the thing, in order to understand God, I, I must first be able to see God. And that's our problem, we can't see God. I mean, even when I say that, right, what does God look like? Like, it's controversial. I mean, right behind me is this picture of Jesus. And unfortunately, because we live in a day and age of controversy, this has been controversial. I've had people who are upset with me. No, I'm not, I'm not serious because he's too light. He's too light, right? So we wanna take Jesus and we wanna make him look like us, darker or lighter, bigger nose, smaller nose. And here's the thing you need to know about this picture. It's the earliest known picture that we have, painting of Jesus that describes his dual natures. It's called Christ the Pantocrator. That's Greek. That's why we don't speak Greek anymore, amen? <laughs> Listen, that is a sixth century painting. And the Greek word pantocrator literally means he who has authority over everything. And so what the Greeks did is the Greeks took a Hebrew word, a Hebrew word called El Shaddai. In English, we translate that God Almighty. And they translated that pantocrator. You see, and here's the funny thing. Our creative team, they picked this picture and they've altered it. And just Wikipedia, not now, because you're listening to a sermon. 
But Jesus looks funky. He looks weird. Now they've made him look less weird in that. But what people think is when the artist painted him, he actually has two faces to represent two natures. And so when you look at the original painting, one eyeball is like weird. It's like a, a chameleon, you know, he's like, he's like looking around. So it's bigger and it's like offset, you know, kind of like your, your weird uncle, Eddie. Um, and so our creative team was like, we can't make Jesus look weird. But that's exactly what the artist was trying to make him look. And by weird, what he means is different, unique. In order to represent his mighty qualities. And so here's what this painting that's 1400 years old is saying. We haven't seen Jesus. We have no idea who he is and what he looks like. And our creative team was like, yeah, but he's ugly. That's actually what the text says. He was not much to look at. Can you imagine, ladies, all the women that would have fallen in love with Jesus if he looked good and was good? <laughs> ladies, no, no, no. I mean, can you imagine? He would have got nothing done. I just feel like you, you need to heal my heart. It's not your heart that you're, you're after. Get out of here. So God made him ugly. So they painted this on a wooden board during the sixth or seventh century. And here's the thing, it's currently preserved at one of the oldest monasteries in the world on Mount Sinai in Egypt. Isn't that crazy? But what if I told you that all of us need to see Jesus? All of us need to see him because all of us have a picture of what he looks like. It's probably the wrong picture. But here's the thing is, we think we, we, we need to see Jesus to believe in him. We think we need eyes. What if I told you you don't need eyes, you just need faith? Today, we're gonna talk about a guy by the name of Bartimaeus who had no sight, but man, he had faith. Think about this. He never, ever saw Jesus, but he believed in him. He trusted in him. And that's where we are today. We have no idea what Jesus looks like. We have no idea how dark his skin was or wasn't. But we can see Jesus today if we have faith. And we need to not see Jesus as a race, but we need to see Jesus as the one who came to save the human race. And in Mark 10, chapter, 40, chapter 10, verses 46 to 52, it says, and they came to Jericho one of the oldest continuous cities on earth. There are people been live, living in Jericho for 10,000 years. Like in Riverside, an old building here is like 100 years old. That's like an infant in the Middle East. And so as Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, because that's how Jesus rolled, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, for those of you who doubt faith, Mark tells us who he was. This is not some miracle somewhere with some random dude. Like when I was high school, my, I never had a girlfriend, but I always had an imaginary girlfriend. And my friends would be like, well, well who is she? She's, well, she's just some girl and she lives in another city. You know, you can't do that anymore because of social media. But in, in the 80s, you could just lie about it. You know, we've been together for like two years. So the Bible isn't like, this is some rando dude. We don't know his name or who he was. Listen, when Peter preaches in Rome, his name is Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus. Why is that? Because I think those dudes are still around. This isn't a story, this is reality. And he was sitting by the roadside. 
And when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was near, he has no eyes, he has no sight, he is completely dependent upon the charity of others. He began to cry out. He began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people were moved with compassion. Oh, he's gonna do my, no, he said, shut up. Shut up. Shut up is one of my favorite Hebrew words. Sheket. <laughs> Sheket. Moms, some of you need to memorize some scripture. <laughs> Sheket. But it means to be silent, to cease speaking. Man, some of you are so close to a miracle, but you're worried of what someone else is gonna say. When I gave my life to Jesus, I was with a girlfriend that I'm not married to now. And when I went to go forward to ask Jesus to save me, she put my hand on my knee, on my knee and she said, what are you doing? And those of you who've been at Sandals for years, you know this story. I said, I'm gonna give my life to Jesus. She said, if you do, we're done. And I said, I guess we're done. You see, God's only gonna move in your life when you care more about him than what everybody else says. And let me tell you something, as a young idiot, if I had that amount of faith, so can you. So can you. Don't tell me, because I wasn't this guy. My girls are always like, I want to marry someone like you. I was like, yeah, they don't come like that at age of 20. You know, they're not done yet. They need, they need some more time in the microwave. This is lots of lessons, <laughs> lots of lessons. And my wife's like, amen. But they're telling him to be silent. Isn't it amazing? The very people that we surround ourselves are often the very people that keep us from Jesus. Don't cry out. Some of you, your marriage is on the rocks and you know you are a second from divorce, but you would rather be silent and divorced than be public and get healing. Oh, I don't want anyone to know. We already know. <laughs> like some of you are so afraid. My kid's an idiot. Everyone knows. <laughs> Everyone knows. It's not a secret. Your kid has social media. We've all seen it. You're the only one who hasn't seen it because they block you. And you're afraid. You're afraid to ask for prayer for your kid. Every kid needs prayer. Why are you afraid to ask? Some of you are like, oh my gosh, they're going to know I'm bad with money. We all know. You don't pick up the check ever. We know. Some of you, man, you're just, you're just too embarrassed to receive the miracle that God has for you. So they said, shut up. But he cried out all the more. You see, the more desperate you are for a miracle, the more likely you are to receive one. He cried out all the more. He doesn't care. Why? Because he knows these people don't care about him. If they did, he wouldn't be begging for food. Son of David, have mercy on me. I love this. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And everybody changes their tune. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart. I know we told you to shut up, but now get up. <laughs> man, aren't human, we're human beings, we're still the same. We always root for the winner. That's what I did at the Super Bowl. They're like, who are you rooting for? Whoever wins. That's my team. I just don't know who it is yet. Right? They went from shut up to get up. And so many of you, the friends you think you have, they're not for you. Jesus is for you. 
Take heart, get up. He's calling you and throwing off his cloak. Now, I don't know how awkward that got. <laughs> he sprang up and he came to Jesus. Now, I wonder, how did he know which direction to run? I think Jesus kept calling him. Come on, you're getting closer. You're getting closer. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Some of you, man, you're so focused on your crying, you haven't heard Jesus say, now what do you want? What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. I wanna see Jesus. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now listen to this. And immediately he recovered his sight and he followed him on the way. He didn't just get healed, he got saved and he became a follower of Jesus. And that's why I think Mark says, it's Bartimaeus. You guys know him because he's never stopped following. And so many of you guys, what's keeping you from believing today, and I hear it all the time, you say seeing is believing. No, 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 believing is believing. You don't have to see God to believe in God. So here's our question. Why does God say no to our prayers? Why has he said no to our healing? Number one, never forget this. We don't ask Jesus. Can I preach to you guys today? I'm frustrated with so many Christians today. Everybody's focused on the Ukraine, praying for the Ukraine. Listen to me, posting is not praying. You know what angels are saying in heaven? We got a lot of posts today, not a lot of prayers. A lot of posting. Posting is not praying. Sharing information is not asking God for a miracle. Some of us are not prayer warriors. We are news media agents. That's all we are, sharing the latest information. Gossip never saves anybody. It doesn't help anybody. But prayer helps everybody. Stop posting, start praying. I mean, can you imagine the Ukrainians today are like, oh my gosh, look at this post, I feel better. <laughs> Thank God. They even got our flag colors right, you know? I mean, it's ridiculous. And here's part of the problem. Why does it take some social virtue signaling to get you to pray? Oh, oh, oh. You, you know what motivates me to pray? Not social media. You know the conversation my wife have never had? Oh, you know what? I forgot to pray today, but social media reminded me. And not only am I reminded to pray, but now I have something to pray for. I pray every day. And you should pray every day. My kids always make fun of me. Dad's talking to himself. No, no, I'm talking to God. About what? About you. <laughs> About you. And he hears me. Bartimaeus talked out loud. My kids are always making fun of me. I think dad's going crazy. No, no, no. I'm talking to God. And my wife's like, well, it's a little crazy. Okay, 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 it's a little crazy. I'm a verbal processor. I have very few thoughts this day in here. They come right out. <laughs> so I'm not trying to make you feel bad if you posted, but I am trying to get you to pray. Posting is not praying. Praying is praying. Matthew 7, 7 through 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Doesn't say post. Ask ask. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. 
knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Remember, every prayer is answered. And the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Some of you need to stop asking and start pounding on a door. I was talking to one of our pastors and, and, and we, we went out together and they were telling me this story about their son who, who thought he was gonna puke. And so he sent his mom a text. In the middle of the night, mom, I don't feel good. And then he was mad because the text didn't wake him up from sleep in the middle of the night. <laughs> when they got the text, he had puked on himself and everywhere two hours earlier. Don't send a text, pound on the door. Mama, daddy, I'm puking here and now. <laughs> it's coming out. Man, a couple of years ago, I went on the mission field and because my superpower is my stomach, I got sick. Montezuma's revenge is everywhere. And I was with a bunch of missionaries and there was one bathroom in our apartment. In the middle of the night, I was awakened by a deep need to vomit. And it wasn't the middle of the night, it was actually early in the morning, but when, you're, when you travel, it's all weird. And so I went to the one bathroom because I had to throw up and somebody was using it. No, 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 no. That didn't stop me. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm gonna throw up, I'm knocking on the door. They're like, okay, I'm just in here. I don't care. And the missionary wouldn't open the door. I don't care. I pounded on it, he wouldn't open, so I knocked it down. I'll never forget this missionary. He's just in his boxers, brushing his teeth. And I come sliding in the bathroom right to the throne. <laughs> and just, <laughs> He's like, what are you doing? What does it look like I'm doing? <laughs> right? You know when you need to go to the throne, amen? There's no waiting. We need to go to the throne of God with the same urgency. Amen. Knock down the door. No, who cares? Well, that's embarrassing. I don't care. I don't care. You guys got to learn to seek, to ask, to knock. Don't send a text. Lord Jesus, I don't feel good. Pound on the door, I got to puke. Heal me, Jesus. Heal me. I told you a couple weeks ago about my friend Natasha. I'll never forget her. I'll never forget her prayer for healing. She, she didn't send a text or a tweet. She shouted to heaven like she needed to be heard. And that's what Bartimaeus did. Son of David, shut up. He got louder. He got louder. John 16, 24 says this, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, listen to this, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now, what I'm gonna say is controversial and challenging. I don't mean it to be, but I wanna provide clarity for some of you who've got unanswered prayers. Many of us at Sandals Church, we grew up Catholic. I love you. I'm glad you're here. I'm not here to make you not Catholic. I'm here to make you know Jesus. Many of us at this church with well-meaning parents and a well-meaning church taught us to pray to Mary. Listen to me, the mother of Jesus, Mary, when she needed a miracle, she asked Jesus. She asked Jesus. That's not offensive, that's accurate. So if Mary asked Jesus, who should you ask? And let me say this, we don't pray to saints, we pray to the Savior. 
We don't ask our dead relatives for help. We call upon the living Jesus. We don't consult mediums. We ask the mediator. That's who we ask. We don't turn to crystals. Oh, this crystal is so powerful. I want to throw it at you and show you its power. <laughs> oh, I just got this crystal. I've got a piece of asphalt. <laughs> what the heck? We don't turn to crystals. We turn to the one who crystallized them. Ladies, I love you. We don't need essential oils. I know. I just split the church. Split the church. Okay, it's too far, Pastor. It's too far. I have a business and I'm a tither. Listen to me. We don't need essential oils. We need the one who makes the oil essential. I know that was good. Come on. And his name is Jesus. And we should never apologize. Whether we're Catholic, Lutheran, or just confused, or a Sandalite. We call upon the name of Jesus. What did he say? Up until now, you have never asked for anything in my name. God wants us to ask in the name of Jesus. And some of us, we've grown up a different way. We go to healers. We go to people who have the gift of healing. Let me tell you this. The only people who have the gift of healing is because they receive the gift from the healer. If I pray over you and you receive a miracle, it didn't come from me. It came from Jesus through me, but only because I prayed in his name. And we know this because in the book of Acts, the apostle Peter said, I have no silver or gold. Why is that? He went to sandals, amen? <laughs> he said, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Rise and walk. Only Jesus heals. A couple of years ago, I had the privilege of standing with one of the most famous pastors in the world. And I was standing next to him and we we're talking and I'll never forget this. We put enormous pressure on our religious leaders because we confused them for Jesus. It was a woman who came from Romania. She had traveled all the way to the United States because she had a daughter dying of cancer at home. And she brought with her a doll that she had made that represented her daughter. And she turned to this pastor right in front of me and she said, God told me if you touch this doll, my daughter will be healed. And I was so proud of my friend. He said, Jesus is the healer. He said, I'm sorry for your pain. He said, but you are confused. She doesn't need to be touched by me. She needs to be touched by Jesus. And she said, will you please touch the doll? And he said, no, no. And she was angry, confused and upset. And I asked him later, I said, why didn't you touch the doll? He said, because what if God healed her through that? For the rest of her life, she would worship me and not him. He would rather be insulted than take credit for the healer. 
I gained so much respect for him that day. You see, God says no to our prayers, number one, because we don't ask. We, we don't ask. Number two, now I love you. I'm praying for you. But because we don't have faith. We don't have faith. I mean, some of us, when we ask Jesus to heal, it's like, that's Jesus heal? Like, we don't know what he's gonna do, listen to me, but when we pray, we know what he can do. We never doubt his ability, ever. The Gospel of Mark, man, gives us some insight into healing. In Mark chapter six, verses five through six, it says, and Jesus could do no mighty works there. He's in his own hometown, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. Now, we need to read this because the text says he could do no miracles, but he did do some. He didn't do mighty miracles. Why? Because he marveled at their unbelief. Let me help you translate this. This is a difficult theological issue. Here's what I think Jesus is saying. And remember, his feelings are limited by language. Okay, that's the problem when we're upset and we're hurt. Our feelings, anybody ever had a hard time expressing your feelings with words? So Jesus is limited in his communication of how he's feeling based upon the language that people understand. So the text says he could do no miracles. He can do whatever he wants. Here's what I think Jesus is feeling. I think he was morally obligated to not do miracles for people who did not want him in their life. Because here's the thing, some of us, we want the gift, but not the giver. God wants you to pray for both. Anybody ever felt used? God is not your ATM where you make a withdrawal whenever you need because you've done something stupid with your money. God doesn't want to be your ATM. He wants a relationship. He marveled at their unbelief. Some of us are so entrenched in our ideology. I mean, some of you believe God can't and doesn't do miracles. I, I, I'm going to guess he's not going to do miracles in your life. Because what you're saying is, God, I don't want you as healer in my life. I don't want that. Here's what I want us to know. My miracles are limited by my faith. We need to have faith that he can heal. Now we can't get stupid. We're not a name it and claim it church. And why is that? Because it isn't your name and it isn't your right to claim. I know, that was good. Some of you missed that. You were looking at your phone. It's not our right to claim because it's not our name. Just because somebody runs around putting Jesus' name on it. People do that to me, and I'm, I'm, my name's not even Jesus. Oh, Matt said. I was like, ah. That's what, that's, what, that's what unhealthy, manipulative kids do. Mom said. I was like, well, let's, let's call mom. Dad said. And, and what do kids do? They use whatever parent isn't present. Just because you put Jesus' name on it doesn't mean it's in Jesus' name. And we're going to talk more about that next week. But God says no to our prayers for healing. And this is hard for us because we're asking for something that's not good. Some of you, you believe with all your heart that what you are praying for right now is good. But 10 years from now, you're going to be, oh, thank God. Thank God. 
I remember one time, Tammy and I, the first home we were going to buy in Riverside, we put money down and we went and prayed and we asked God for this house, all, all the ministry we could do, right? We, we, you know the list of reasons. This will be your house. And the Lord's like, eh, it looks like your house. <laughs> but Tammy and I, we said, God, we, we, we want to know if we're supposed to buy this house. And we both heard no. And it hurt is the best thing for us. In the moment, I disagreed. 10 years later, I saw the wisdom. And here's the thing is, what you think is such a blessing right now, you have no idea how this good thing could destroy your life later. Here's what Jesus says for those of you who question the integrity of God. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Who gives their kids stones? Play with this rock, son. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. You then, right? The positive Jesus, the loving Jesus. You then, who are evil. I've never preached to you like that, you evil people. <laughs> you who are evil. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more will your father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You see, you think this is the best. We have no idea what the best is. We don't know. God may say to what you think is good, right, and true today, he may say no to it because it's not good, right, and true tomorrow. And here's the thing is, especially if you're a young person, your views on things change. I wish I could scour the internet and find all the old sermons where I said, I'll never change and just put warning, stupidity is communicated in this sermon. And here's the thing is, I believed with all my heart when I was saying those things that I was right. I've come to find out I was deeply wrong and those things were incredibly stupid. And some of you are like, well, I never change. That's stupid. That's stupid. God says no to our prayers for healing because we ask with selfish motives. I mean, remember last week I shared about when my wife's mother was dying and in need of a liver transplant? Let, let me articulate our prayer for you. It's really hard to pray. Lord, I want some other family to experience the death of a loved one who is young and healthy so my old mother-in-law can live. That's a tough prayer. When you, when you really think about the miracle that you're asking for, we have to be really, really careful. Some of us, when it's our kid in the hospital, we walk by every room of sick kids and we say, God, this kid right here, right now, this child deserves a miracle when the truth is every kid on that ward needs a miracle. Oh, you don't think those parents love that kid? Now, they may not know Jesus like you do, but they love their kid like you do. I mean, that's the truth is. Our prayers, if we're honest, are pretty self-centered. And we gotta think about that. Why does God do miracles? You gotta go, gotta go back to last week. Because of your faith in eternity, to build your faith for eternity, or to lead someone to faith in eternity. Why did that young man say he got a miracle? Because his father said, look, if you're willing to serve Jesus, God will extend your life. If, there's, if you're willing to play a part in leading people to Christ for eternity, there, there's a, listen, there's a miracle on the table. 
But if this is just about you, why would God intervene in the natural order of events? People die of COVID. It happens. It's part of the process. I mean, some of us are shocked when evil finally rests on our doorstep. And here's the thing is, if you haven't experienced extreme grief and loss, you are so blessed. You have no idea, but at some point you will grieve and you will lose because that is the consequence of sin. And God is not in the business of saving everyone from the consequence of sin. What he said is, for all who repent and all who believe, I will save you forever from the consequences of sin. But here and now, this world is cursed. That's what it says. Romans 8 says the entire creation waits, longs for the curse to be removed. So some of us, when we pray, we got a bad motive. When you ask, James says, you do not receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives. So one of the things that we need to do when we pray is we need to check our heart. God, where's my heart in this? Where's my heart in this? No one wants their kid to die. No one wants their marriage to end. No one wants to lose a house or a job. No one wants to be sick. No one wants to lose a limb. God, where's my heart in this? We ask with wrong motives. And let me just say this. We're gonna talk more about this in a couple weeks, but this is a little sneak peek. Can I just tell you this? Some of you parents are praying for children with drug addiction and mental illness or you're praying for a family member with drug addiction or mental illness, prayer will not change someone else's mind. God is not in the business of forcing people to repent. Singles, I love you. God is not gonna make someone love you. I have two very beautiful daughters and I can't tell you how many young men just felt the Lord's hand on their heart and God had told them that God had put my daughters on their heart to marry. I said, well, God needs to put you on my daughter's heart. That's how it works. And some of you were like, love me, love me. And you're like, God said no again. It's just gross. Look, if God doesn't wanna make someone love him, why would he want you to be able to make someone love you? Because as soon as you make someone, it ain't love. It isn't love. So praying for someone else can only do two things. We're gonna jump into this in a couple of weeks. Number one, here's what we pray. We convict them, that the Holy Spirit will convict them of what needs to change. If the devil's involved, we pray that the Lord will remove the devil from their struggle. Here's the thing. Here's the thing you need to know. Demons are like rats. If you don't take out the trash, they come back to eat. So we can pray all day long for the devil to go. If your loved one keeps eating trash, the rats are coming back. And we have to understand that. And one of the most frustrating things is to love someone who can't make a good choice. Welcome to God's life as he prays over you. Next, God says no to our, our prayers for healing. And this is, this is hard, but this is gospel because we have unconfessed sin in our lives. So when I go to pray with somebody and they're on their deathbed, you know what I ask them about? I don't ask them about their cancer. I ask them about their sin. And here's the thing, as your pastor, most people even on their deathbed lie right to my face. 
I can pray with a guy dying. I just talked to his wife. I know their marriage sucks. Is there any sin in your life? No, pastor, none at all. I'm like, you're dying. You're going to meet God. You're going to meet God. Are you going to die before God? Are you going to die in your sin and stand before God? Yes, pastor. Isn't that crazy? You would think that people change on their deathbeds. Most don't. You want a miracle? James says, therefore, confess your sins to one another. Why? And pray for one another so that you may be healed. One of the most amazing miracles I've ever seen in my life is we went to, to visit a baby in an ICU tent. And for those of you who don't know what that is, the baby is struggling for oxygen so bad, they put the entire child in a compressed oxygen tent. And this child's circumstances were so dire that this hospital allowed this family to invite their pastors to come and pray over their baby. I'll never forget the father's request to us before we went in to pray. We had to scrub in, we wore robes. We were gonna go into the, the NICU and pray over this baby. And this is what the dad said. If any of you are in sin, he said, I ask that you do one of two things. One, that you confess. Or two, you don't come in and pray. We had a little confession right there. Right there. And I watched pastor after pastor. And some of the confession was a lack of faith. Lord, I don't believe that you'll do this. Which is really what? It's questioning the goodness of God. We confessed our sin. We went in, they pulled the oxygen tent off this little beautiful baby girl. We prayed over her, we anointed her with oil. A hospital in California allowed us to do this. And she was in her mother's arms an hour later, healed. Healed. And I watched doctors, Nick you doctors, blown away at the power of God. Blown away. I remember years later, I went to a, a doctor's for a visit, and he said, you, you're the pastor of Sandals Church. Here's what he said. He said, I heard about that miracle at our Fontana Hospital. Other doctors were talking about it. But here's what we said. Look, if you want a miracle in your marriage, why don't you talk to God about your sin instead of your spouse's sin? You're like, oh, Lord, I got a list for my spouse. <laughs> and the Lord's like, well, where's your sin? You're like, well, I just, I just, I just do too much. Oh, precious, you're so honest. <laughs> That's why marriages never work when they're, when they're headed for divorce if both parties can't see what they're doing wrong. You didn't just marry a sinner, you are a sinner. God says no to our prayers for healing because, and this is hard, because God has a different plan. One of my favorite verses to quote to others is the worst verse when it's quoted to me. Many are the plans of the human heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. We can ask all day long. God's gonna do what he feels he should do. And he doesn't need your opinion. We can ask, but we're not God. And here's the thing you need to know as a Christian. If God can say no to his own son, he can say no to you. I wanna point out something that many of you have never noticed about Easter. It's one of the most controversial texts and one of the most misunderstood texts in the Bible. 
Did you know that the night before Jesus was betrayed, he told his disciples to get swords? Why is that? I have an answer. Because I believe Jesus at that moment was hoping there was a different way. Jesus was ready to fight. He knew he could win. <laughs> right? Like, and if you don't believe me, read Revelations. He is, he makes like Rambo blush, right? Oh my gosh. Dude, his name is tattooed in blood on his thigh, dude. It's like, yeah, just in case you forgot. <laughs> Jesus was hoping there was a plan B and he asked for it. And by the way, that's what every prayer request for healing is in a miracle. Lord, is there a plan B? Because why? What we're experiencing is plan A. Is there another way around this? And then in Luke 22, after he asked the disciples to buy swords and Jesus withdrew from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if you are willing, if you're willing, listen to this, remove this cup from me. This is our prayer. Take this cancer from me. Take this divorce from me. Take this heartache from me. Take this suffering from me. Take this from me, please, Lord. If there's any other way, we have swords. We can fight. I know these guys are lame, but I'm tough. <laughs> Remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Ask in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus and submit to his will. And here's the thing. God said no. God said no to Jesus, which means he can say no to you, which means he can say no to me. You, but it hurts. The cross hurt. Oh, but my loved one died. Jesus died. Jesus died. The disciples were a little slow like us. One of them, what are we gonna do with the sword? So he cut off a dude's ear. And Jesus is like, oh yeah, I should have told you about, I should have told you guys about the answer to my prayer. Um, but to, to Jesus' defense, they were sleeping. So, Jesus, do you remember Jesus, he's just like, oh, my bad. And he just, he just put it back on. Can you imagine, you're like, we're gonna arrest this guy? So he put it back on. But here's the thing, here's the thing. Whenever you get a no to healing, listen to me, you will get a yes to God's strength. So when God tells you no, he doesn't leave you alone. When you get a no to healing, you get a yes, a miraculous yes to his strength and power. And some of you have missed this. Father, if there's any other way, no. Next verse. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. Your God is good. And just because he said no doesn't mean that he doesn't love you and he doesn't care for you. It just means you got to know. A couple of years ago, a good friend of mine lost a son. It was horrific and it was awful. And my good friend asked me to do the funeral. But he didn't just ask me to do the funeral. He asked me one of the hardest questions I've ever been asked. He said, is my son in hell? Yeah. 
And here's the truth. I didn't know. I thought I knew this guy, but it turns out I didn't. And I was wrestling with this. I was wrestling with the loss of my friend. I was wrestling with the loss of my friend's dad. And I was, tr- I was trying to, I was, tr- I, w- I was like, how, how do I preach this sermon, right? I mean, at least when, when you die, hopefully we know where you are. I didn't know. And I was, I was riddled with anxiety and overcome with grief. In the middle of the night, this is a true story. My wife and I have talked about this many times. In the middle of the night, I was awakened by an angel. My wife just slept right through it, like just at peace. People say, what was it like? Terrifying. Beautiful. Awful. You know what the angel said to me? Don't be afraid. You know why? I was. And here's what he said to me. He said, take confidence. Your friend is with me. He is with us. And I said, now what? He said, go to sleep. (laughs) I was like, okay. (laughs) And here's the thing. Some of you guys, some of you guys aren't sure. You're like, I don't know if I believe you. I don't care if you do. It was as real as anybody in this room. Far scarier than anybody in this room. But here's the thing. You may not ever see the angel that's ministering to you, but they're ministering. When God says no, he sends his strength. And I got to see him, and they're scary. And they're strong, and they're with you. They're with you. If you're processing a no right now, if you're grieving a no for a loved one who died, for yourself, for your marriage, for your finances. I'm not gonna pray that God changes his answer for you or even explains his answer. I'm gonna pray that God sends his strength right now in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus, send your angels to each and every one of us. Lord, you know the number of hairs on our head and you know the hurts in our heart. I pray that you would send your angels to strengthen us in the midst of this no. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.